I was 19. Before that, I'd already been in the nick. At 16, I was nicked for a fray after a gang fight. I was dragged into this retaliation by some kids who'd beaten up. There was a boys club over North Dulwich, Peckham border. It was a fucking rough area. Two mates of mine used to go to the dance halls. I'd been barred by a mobber at the club. We had a bit of a skirmish and the next thing you know, I'm fucking nicked. Hello, everyone. Um, Hello. Delighted to uh, give you the second helping of hot dinner. Mm. Hot dinner. Ha! Um, a little announcement before we begin. We've, we've now got, we had a hundred listeners in our debut episode and that's like real listeners from beginning to the end. So God bless those a hundred people. How many God minutes was it? Bless them. 35 minutes, something like that. 35, so 35 times I don't know. 100 equals 3,000. We've, we've universal time in, <laughs> in space, in the galaxy, we've used 3,500 minutes. That feels good, that, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, it feels like we should have said something more important, but oh well. That was important. What do you want to say? Something, something political or, or, you know? Something philosophical. Something. Fill the, fill the media waves. Yeah, something boring. Something boring, like, hi, I'm Dan Skilberg. Oh, that's funny. Uh, m- moving on, uh, just a little icebreaker, because we, this is only mine and Dan's second day. Um, have had any, any, any fucks on this week? Any fuck-ons? <laughs> well, yeah. Actually, um, anything you've just wasted you time? You can see on there. Hello. Got a new watch. Casio number. Yeah. Or ordered it because I saw it saw it cheap online, thirty-five pound. I thought mm-hmm. all the other ones are about fifty quid, so I thought absolutely mm-hmm. yeah, I'll have that. It took about three weeks to come. I thought well, fifteen, just where the fifteen quid comes from. Get a letter through the post. Oh, the um customs charge is fifteen pounds. So I just waited three weeks for for no reason. There you yeah. go. That was annoying. That's class. I bet you're so happy. <laughs> that was interesting, uh, wasn't it? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and is it stuck in Singapore time as well? You can't change it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm, on a so... little someone someone's rowing rowing here. <laughs> with it with it just what's, in what's the box. What's the time difference between England and Singapore? About 18 about, minutes? Yeah, about 20 minutes, I think. All oh, right, so you just have to take 20 minutes off. Or add. Um, I'll tell you what my fuck on this week was. Go on then. So, uh, moving house on Saturday. Um, Big job. Just want to mention that. Yeah, I just want to say that to everyone. You know, I'm an adult, adult dis- man. Disclose your postcode and stuff. Yeah, well, I'll put it in the. I'll put it at the end. Um, okay. So, obviously, got a new house, and then I've got, as any modern man does, I've got plenty of, uh, you know, business, banking, insurance, ammunition. Yeah. I like to call it <laughs> administration ammunition. Yeah. And so I've obviously had to change the address on all of them. So I did this on last Friday. I just went through all of my things and went, okay. What address has this got? Right, it needs to be my new one. 
I spent about about an hour and a half doing it just because wow. I couldn't remember what I'd, what I got and all my passwords and that. And then I did all of that and then I'd done two doors down. <laughs> the number <laughs> oh, no. was two doors down. <laughs> Oh, it was, a f- it, was, it was absolute fuck. And the first one I, I rang back to like say, oh, sorry, I've done the wrong two doors down. And you know when they ask for your address as like yeah. a security question? I yeah. obviously said the right one and they're like, no, like, it's not that one. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm in hell here. So that was a fuck on. I know waste yeah. of time. Those were worrying. Those um, were potentially two very dull stories, but you've um, you've turned it around a bit at the end there. Well done. No, we're not eating toffees now. Don't put them back. No, we'll have them tomorrow. Hungry hungry isn't toffees at this time of night. Right, so I've got a little, another little snippet from Paul McCartney's uh, diary here, yeah? It's, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's from... The one you found in the the skip, yeah? Yeah, 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 with all the electronic goods, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's from... The premiere, the film premiere of A Hard Day's Night. Remember that film? Yeah, yeah, yeah not a very it, big film, it, isn't it? I think it had the Beatles in it or something. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'll start. I think I'll I'll start reading it now. I think Paul McCartney's voice may be channeling. I don't know. It may may come into play here. We'll see. We'll see okay. if um, see what happens. The book reads itself, does it? Yeah, mm-hmm. like an audio book. Enchanted. Yeah, nice. Sixth of July, nineteen sixty-four. <laughs> 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 oh no! It was the sixth of July, nineteen sixty-four. Tonight was the premiere of our new film, A Hard Day's Night. You know, the boys and I were very excited to see how it all turned out, except Ringo seemed to be more interested in practising his his javelin technique. He's very strange, Ringo Starr. I don't know know what's got into him recently. As the premiere was getting closer and closer, we were all getting quite nervous. As if it was fate, a tiny little shiny head popped through the bushes. George screamed, thinking it was a bear or something. He cried out something like, Fucking hell, John, that, bear, that bear's got your guitar. I don't know why he's from Birmingham, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's got me guitar. Got me guitar. Continue. Uh, I... <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 we're, we're like really right. good at reading, not reading yeah. scripts, I mean. I know. I took... I told him to calm down as it was only Bob Dylan, the fuzzy-haired, the fuzzy-haired carol singer. He moved towards us silently. <laughs> he moved towards us silently like a Native American dream wolf and stretched out an open palm. <laughs> what he was offering us could only be described as a highly illegal and feared substance. John started to cry. Bob Dylan recoiled back into the bush like a violated snail. I tried to call. I tried to calm John down, and Bob came back out the hedge and assured us, assured us this would calm our nerves. We reluctantly obliged and started smoking. As silently as he arrived, Bob had vanished like a folky brown smoke, and we just mellowed out after that. 
Everything was fine, going okay, and we were on our way to the premiere in George's mum's limo. Paul and Paul and George Paul and George were seeing who could fit the most Everton toffees into their mouth, while Ringo was just sitting quietly staring at a mole on his wrist. As we pulled out, as we pulled up and got and got out, we saw Bob Dylan coming to greet us. We thought, "Oh, great, there's Bob again." Before we could even strum an E flat diminished chord to each other, Ringo had shot. Ringo had shot up, launched a javelin straight into his chest. I looked at George and John in horror, but when I looked back, I didn't see Bob Dylan. I saw a great big brown bear. I'd been hallucinating because of those drug cigarettes. We all turned to Ringo, who explained he'd been busy practicing javelin while we all smoked. So he'd actually so he'd actually seen the bear and not Bob Dylan coming towards us. Thinking back, I'm not sure if Bob Dylan was actually there at all, the soft bitch. But it was an interesting <laughs> it was an interesting day nonetheless. Anyway, that's Paul the Mac signing off for the night. Ooh. Nice. Paul yeah. McCartney, the fucking smackhead. The big Big um, drug cigarette Paul, user, apparently. Paul McCartney. Like that <laughs> well, that was good. So, yeah. you don't think Bob Dylan was there, do you? I, well, I think that's up for debate. It might have been a, a big brown bear, or it might have been Bob Dylan. Yeah. Where was this? Was it Dockside, Liverpool? I think it was in Toxteth. Toxteth, um, that's... Yeah. In Liverpool. Near South. Robbie Fowler's house or something, yeah. Yeah, on the playground or something. Yeah. Nice. Quite a good place for drug taking. I've done it before. Uh, um, right. That was a good story, that, Dan. Will Paul yeah, McCartney well, be coming back, do you reckon? He might, oh. he, might have a few, he might have a few more stories. I don't know. Maybe his voice might be better. Who knows? <laughs> I thought his voice was unreal. It just sounded just like him. Well, it was him, obviously. Yeah, um, well, yeah. I want to talk about this gadget that I found today. Okay. I was on um I was on Wayfair.co.uk, uh, one of my favorite okay. gadget sites. Yeah. Um I found this, it's called the Modern Two Slice Breakfast Master. And what it is right. essentially is okay. it's like um it's a chrome toaster. Chrome. Chrome toaster, yeah. Chrome connotes value and luxuriousness. Okay. Um, so yeah, obviously got I'm not sure about that because my, my toast is chrome and it costs about seven quid. Uh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think about your toaster. Um, so yeah, uh, before you interrupt to me, the uh, the Breakfast Master is a toaster, but it's got like a little greenhouse on the side. A greenhouse? Um, and that's what, for, for and crumbs? That, and, no, that fits six eggs in it. <laughs> right? And it's an egg steamer. There's two settings you can have oh hard boiled God. or soft boiled. Is that it? Nope. That's, that's not Adi- it. In addition, in addition to these two features of the modern two slice breakfast master, there is a tray underneath that that operates as kind of like a dry fryer, dry grill kind of thing. Okay. So you know that that's that's your bacon drawer, that's your sausage drawer in there. Or bacon beans, and if you're that disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> it, right. You know what the best part of how it is? At what? It's would... fully, it's portable battery. It doesn't need <laughs> any power. <laughs> it charges by USB. I swear down. 
Um, so you could take, this, take this up, take this up, Ben Nevis, you, if you wanted to. You could take this down um, a river in a canal <laughs> boat that had no power. <laughs> uh, but the last feature I'd just like to offer to how you. Much, Dan, how much was this? I'd, do you want to guess what it is? I need to know how much this was. It was fifty nine ninety nine. Fifty nine ninety nine. See, yeah. I'm less, I'm less excited about that, it, it now. If it was like twenty four ninety nine, then okay. Well, guess what? The additional feature feature on the uh, breakfast station. Go on is, then. It is a Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Just think, right? And this is honestly, this is the size of a standard toaster. Like, it only gets two slices, but you know, two slices you want your is more hot, than enough. You? Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't be doing everyone's toast at once. That's unnatural. Yeah, it's got a Bluetooth so, speaker. Just all the gadgetry <laughs> that's going on in this. How, how was the so? How was there enough CPU in it? <laughs> Twenty-five gig of so, RAM. Yeah. yeah, that's my gadget of the day. Do you like it? I like. Yeah, I like. I, do you know what? I will. This is a video to the man what looks like a shaft and mallet pig. Next up, guys, we've got our second instalment of Thierry Jeanry. Thierry Jeanry. Who have we got this week? Once again, uh, once again, we dive into the punk genre and we've got uh, Paul Wellard Weller. Bloody hell. So, it was his birthday yesterday. I know. This, he did it for this was an interview on his birthday. It was his present from oh, us. Oh, well. Lucky. So, obviously, we've got, we've got East Endian. Uh, East Endian. Out on interviewing him on Zoom from uh, his hackney garage his pad uh so let's dive in punk set the uk on fire upon its brash arrival in the 1970s the movement brought about bands such as the clash the damned and the pussycat dolls it shaped the future of music to come as well as a political and social attitude that will be continued through the ages i'm east indian and i've been lucky enough to chat with one of punk's most influential controversial figures people of the uk I would like to welcome my guest, Paul Weller. All right, all right, Hi, Ian. Paul. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. You know, this and that. That's a proper accent, isn't that? It's a London accent. It's woking, actually, but you know, I let that slide. Walking. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, Paul, it's a true honour to have you, the mod father, on the show. Where are you Zooming from today? Is it from your lockdown safe house? Well, actually, I'm coming from you, coming to you live from the studio that I've actually been stuck in all lockdown. You know, when all this palaver was announced, I was actually working on my next hit record. So um, I thought it'd best play it safe and just stay in here. I actually think, I actually think, yeah. I actually think this place is haunted by um, the ghost of Joe Strummer. Because actually, um, I've been hearing a a lot of Cockney nonsense when I've been trying to get to sleep. But, you know, Uh uh, it keeps me company, I guess. Whereabouts is the studio, Paul? Uh, Camden, you know. Oh, by the... uh, (laughs) Let's just shut it up. that's very interesting. So you've you've cracked on with this album, have you, Paul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, obviously, been... obviously you've not got any musicians with you because that would be breaking the rules, yeah. 
Yeah, no, no musicians. I've just been playing all my own instruments, uh, playing the... Uh, I think I've managed to get a tune out of a starfish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you fish that out of a can of locks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I, I, I reached in and grabbed it out. It was it was angelic. So you, You've always been known for your, your fine sense of fashion, Paul. If there was one pair of very fancy shoes you could take to the grave of you, what would they be? Well, it's got to be the ones that I've got on now. They're my um, red, white and blue paisley suede brogues that um, I had made in Carnaby Street by two blokes called Charlie Spike, who was actually the first man to ever ride a Vespa in the UK, and Mick Smedley. It was a man who punched a, <laughs> a, man who punched a rocker so hard that his leather jacket melted off. Yeah, and Charlie made Charlie made the left one and Mick did the right. So, yeah, you could like if you could bury me at sea for all I care, as long as I had those shoes on. I think I'd die a happy man. And what's the retail price on them, Paul? Oh, wait, you could. They gave me the for free, you know, because I'm Paul Weller, you know. Um, oh right, well, I think you know, they for took, me, for they me took them about. No, you can't. It's, it's just a one-off, mate. Sorry. Oh, well, I was going to get fucking edgy about it, is there? What um, do you know what I mean? I'm Paul fucking oh, Weller. You're not fucking hard, though, are you, mate? Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking with you, Paul. Um, oh, I've always been interested thinking. by your description of the working classes and your social commentary in your songs, particularly those by the jam. Could you go into like a little more detail about your working class upbringing? Well, as, you, as I've mentioned already, I was actually born in Woking, hence this, um, hence this accent. Um, yeah, it was tough. It was really tough, you know, being the only mod at school. You know, at that time, the working class folk hadn't really embraced the mod culture, you know, and, the, and my clothing uh, I had on stuck out a bit like a sore thumb. You know, it wasn't really, it wasn't actually until I got my first mod cut when the bullying actually stopped and everyone started to treat me like, you know, the mod father that I was and I still am. You know, I've had, I don't know how I did it, but I actually managed to turn the whole of Woking into um, a town sized Ben Sherman. So um, <laughs> my, that's my influence, really. Uh, can't really be measured, really, I don't think. And do you think your influence was why Ben Sherman selected Woking for their location for their new factory in 2020? Absolutely, absolutely. They'd be, they'd be crazy not to, I, don't, I think. I've been down the factory and they've got, uh, they've got a canteen where they serve, uh, they just serve Vespa fluid. Oh, yeah, that's on my... Um, I told them to do that. Vespa fluid and Weller dogs. <laughs> Uh, okay, so you spend a lot of time with your neighbour, Noel Gallagher. He's a northerner, hey? Um, have you seen him over the lockdown period? If so, what, what activities did you partake in? Well, uh, yeah, Noel. Um, I've only managed to call him a few times, actually, because he's, um, he's been quite busy, you know, because he's at, recently he's had to move back into his mum's house. Yeah, I think it's something to do with uh, selling stolen goods or something. I really shouldn't talk about it. But um, you know, when I when I did get the chance to uh, chat to him, he just wouldn't go on about. He just kept going on about this same bloody story about when he was in B and Q, and I just kept switching off. Yeah, 
Have you got any sound bites of that? Uh, no, I don't record my friends' um, my friends' oh, well, okay. uh, conversations. I'm sorry. Fair enough. Um, you're a criminally underrated guitar player, Paul. What, what's oh, your favourite you, guitar you. chord and, and why? Well, we, yeah, I'm glad you agree because I actually do think I am. I do one of the top three most underrated guitarists of my time. And so my favourite chord would have to be the G major seventh diminished. I've actually nicknamed it the uh, Weller Weapon because, you know, when I pull that out on the Epiphone, it's it's going to be a danger for all involved. Nice. Um, so obviously Jimmy Anderson has got his ninth chord and you've got, what was it, the G major? G major seventh, seventh diminished. diminished. Aye, yeah. Tasty. Criminal. Um, okay, we'll, we'll make this the last question then. Uh, oh, okay, I've quite enjoyed this so far. Well, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed it too, Paul. If only I could kiss you, I would. Um, right. We had we had John Lydon guesting last week on Thierry oh, Jean-Marie. No. He said he said you maybe had the wrong ideology on punk with the jam. Well, what's your opinion on that? Right, I'd just like to get this on record, please, if I can. John okay, Lydon, I'm recording it double. Yeah, are you getting all this? John Lydon yeah. is a soft lad who always has been and he always has been all talk. He thinks he's punk just because he swore in an interview a few times back in the 70s, give me a break. I will fight you any day, John Lydon, and twice on a Sunday, good day. Oh, that is exciting, Paul. That's why I like you, Paul. You remind me of myself. You're not afraid to fight. Like all good London men in, and the suburbs, the immediate suburbs of London, <laughs> you're a fighter. And that's why we wear good clothes, because if we're fighting, we want to look good as well. Exactly. Uh, well, exactly. thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been delighted to interview Paul Weller, one of my childhood heroes. Um have, enjoy the rest of your life, Paul, if we never see each other again. Yeah, no worries. I, mean, I, hope, I, hope, I hope we do see each other again, Ian. It's been a delight. I hope we do as well, Paul. Maybe in real life next time we can grab a couple of carlins by the river. Yeah, well, don't push it, mate. But okay, yeah. Uh, okay, well, I just thought, you know, I'd just try. Anyway, yeah, right. I'm East End Ian. And that was Thierry Jean-Marie, episode two. That was a good thing. I was I liked I like Paul Weller. He's he's good lad, isn't he? he I like him good. a lot more than John Lydon. Yeah, so do I. He's just you know, he's, he just he, he obviously East Andean was saying there that he, he echoes him. He all, I'd say he also echoes me. As you know. Oh, Paul Weller. Crimin- do you reckon? Yeah, because I a I'm criminal. obviously like a bit of a, a bit of a fighter and a and a well dressed one at that. What did you so, think yeah. of his um shoes, choice of shoes? I thought they sounded absolutely horrible. Oh, yeah, I, I also agree. But uh, the people that made them sounded um, sounded like two characters, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if they're in love. I th- I, yeah, maybe. Charlie and Mick okay. sitting in a tree. <laughs> real sausages, real mess! Yeah, so, Dan, I've got another... Um, Another reading from Johnny, because obviously he's on the contract. He has to do a certain amount of hours every week. So oh, yeah, yeah. I think he's just trying to get them all in as soon as possible, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, should we jump into another version, another abridged version of his book? Yeah, definitely, yeah. I'm excited. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-da-da-ba-da-ba-ba-ba-da-da-ba-da-da-ba-da-da-ba-da-da-ba-da-da-ba-da-da-ba-da-da-ba-da-da-ba-da-da-ba-da
What's up? <laughs> What's up, guys? It's <laughs> What's up, guys? It's Johnny Maria. This is my second abridged reading from my book. I wrote the chords for this. This reading from the book is the story behind how Morrissey and I wrote our debut helping of the Smiths, hand in glove, glove. A few weeks had gone by on the Ardwick Green, and Morrissey and I were continuing to get on like a Manchester house on fire. He kept giving me really exciting books to read, such as Mein Kampf and Keeping Britain Great. Some of the ideologies worried me, but I knew Morrissey was as left as left hand reach of a very left object. Me and Morrissey were spending so much time together that it started to aggravate the mod lads, Derek and Domino. The ones that gave me my me debut mod haircut and coached me on the riff stick. I thought they were great guys. They were beautiful. They worked. But there was just something they weren't getting with Morrissey. One day, when me and Morrissey were hanging out on the Stockport Viaduct, the mod lads made an unexpected appearance on the Vespers. Oi, Johnny, we've had enough of you and you can't come sherbet dipping with us anymore. You spend so much time in Morrissey, you might as well have your hand in his glove. Me and Morrissey looked at each other in silence. I pondered what I'd done wrong. Morrissey was seemingly nice enough, but there was something not sitting right with Derek and Domino. It wasn't until we were halfway down the A6 that Morrissey broke our silence. Do you know, Johnny, sometimes in life, bad things that can happen can be a sign of things are nearing a change. That was it, I thought. Beautiful. Morrissey had a brand new voice. It worked. Hand in glove, despite being a sheer outcry of disapproval by ex-friends, was indisputably a great song title. Morrissey, I said, hand in glove. It's the title of our first single. Let's get back to yours and finish the lyrics and ring all the drummers and bass players we know. By 11pm that night, we had the first set of lyrics on Hand in Glove on the back of a recently opened Colgate toothbrush packet and had received two phone calls, the first from Andy Rock, our future bassist, and secondly, Mike Joyce, our future caterer. We'd also booked our first jam session at the Rush Home Ruffians practice room just off the Curry Mile, postcode M138HU. Beautiful! It worked! That was exciting. I think that was exciting, that was, Dan. That was exciting. It, it worked. He's progressively getting less boring. Yeah. Beautiful. He, he, he works. I've got a lot of respect for uh, for Johnny Ma. Why is that? Um when I saw him at Glastonbury and he played, I've been a Glastonbury, I'm a Glastow guy. Um, <laughs> when he played, uh, oh, what's the song? Getting Away With It by Electronic. Getting away with it all my life. When he was doing that at Glastonbury, he said, this one goes out to Glastonbury, the UK, the world. <laughs> and I just love that kind of harbour. In, in that order, do you reckon? of everyone. Yeah. genuinely in that order. I remember it <laughs> word for word, Daniel. Excellent. So yeah, that was a good highlight. Hi, good morning. Here to report a crime. Yeah. An international war crime, right? Have you had any more? I've had some emails this week about um, bands with upcoming albums. Oh yeah, I've had, um, I, I've, I think I've had two. Yeah, I've had three. Do you, do you want to do one each again? Yeah, go on then. Who wants to? Do, I'll go first, you, and then you can go first. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense because mine will obviously be better. Yeah. Okay. The first album I've got, uh, it was out uh, last Monday. I don't know what the date was. Um, 
the album was called Industrial Seafront, and it was by Athlete's Foot. <laughs> um, Athlete's Foot are like a Hartlepool-based synth goth duo. Um, both of them are exhibitors at Hartlepool's Maritime Museum, okay. and lots of their writing is kind of based around the words of the exhibits. Um, based around like monk, monk hanging monkeys and all that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like eating scones. Uh, so the band's third studio album, Industrial Seafront, it was recorded in the disused ICI steel plant in South okay. Kirkgare, Redcar. Yeah. Um, they wanted to go for like kind of like a much more ambient sound in this album, and so they used the plant's main incinerator to record the vocals. Okay, um, yeah. They then took the tracks up to uh, Sting's Castle in Newcastle, uh, and they had them mixed in exchange for exfoliating Sting and his partner for several hours. Okay. Um, what, what with Pumice Stone? Oh, yeah, Pumice Stone, yeah, okay. um, Bat Scratcher, Tongues. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then Wands. Wands. Uh, so, uh, and then there's just been a few uh, words in the enemy. I've just read, um, and they said, "Oh, they're in the enemy." Wow. Well. Yeah, yeah, the enemy, the North Musical Express, yeah. uh, and they've described the album as being a tale of shipwrecks. British colonisation and uh, palm oil dinners. Well, you know, it's hard, it's hardly pool, isn't it? Yeah, not uh, quite north enough for the, peace pudding and ham, but yeah, it's, it's a good, 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 good climate for growing uh, palm oils around there. Yeah. Do you want to give me one of your albums after that lovely accepting year? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've had who've I had? I think they're called the Haringey Head Cases. They're, um, I think they're, I think something like, I think the two dads, just two dads from Haringey, well in, you know, obviously well into the ska music. Like North one, East London is that? Yeah, 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 all that. One, one of them dresses in, you know, the full purple suit, um, hat, checkered tie. He dresses like that six days of the week, and um, I, he didn't really say what he does on the other one, and the other one just dresses like a builder. So it's a nice little, nice little um, contrast. Contrast they've got going on there. I think the album, the album coming out, they've said is called "Look Sharp, Mamas Here," and all they've said, <laughs> all they've said for that is there's lots of trumpet, sax, and wailing. Nice. So they're not giving much away here, but I'm looking forward to it. The title's good. And I'm a fan of whaling. I am. What what um what formats is it? Out both on? T- both types of whaling, really. <laughs> is that what's that? Is is that tenor whaling and baritone whaling? And you know, piercing whales with harpoons and all that. Yeah, and and ass whaling. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, nonsense. <laughs> I'll uh, we'll move on with my uh, second album. I got um, the next album I got was by an artist called Soft Boiled Greg. Um, Oiled Greg, and it's called No Soft Boiled Greg. Oh, Soft Boiled Greg. Sorry. <laughs> and the album name is I Walk the Line at Asda. So Soft Boiled Greg is the stage name for a popular TV chef turned musician. Uh, oh. I don't know, uh, Greg Hollis, Greg Hollandaise, I don't know. Um, 
okay. Greg Wallace. Greg, Greg Wallace. Wallace. Graham Graham Hollins. Graham Collins. Yeah. <laughs> Based in Kent, he has like created this concept album to express his kind of frustration as he buys goods for his restaurant, which has remained open during the COVID nineteen crisis, despite. I, did, I didn't realize he had a restaurant actually. Yeah, he just opened it last week. Oh, that's um, a bad time in Poolard, eh? Yeah, it's a bad time, but you know, man's got a business to protect. <laughs> man's uh, got a... so. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that is something Greg would say. Yeah, if you asked him. <laughs> man's got a business to protect. <laughs> uh, anyway, I walk the line as the as the title suggests. Cements Greg's frustrations at having to queue to use the supermarket at the moment. The album features songs such as. I'll behead you if you t- if I if you take the last smoked salmon, and Asda, fucking Asda, where were you before this shop got famous? <laughs> so I managed to have a quick listen to it today as I washed my car. Um, okay, and it's it's it was really weird. It was largely Mr. Wallace kind of like crooning over like okay. dystopian styled industrial electronic beats by Will I Am. Oh, good, good, good collaboration. Like, good collaboration. I didn't. That's yeah, not well, I one think, I expected. But, I think Will I Am's been making beats, and then Greg has been preparing meats for him. <laughs> um, next, uh, next, next, <laughs> ding ding. Right, so what it was next for me? Oh yeah, here we go. A little band called Jackie Turner and the Starlight Twins. They're um, a late a late fifties, obviously by the name, a late fifties, early sixties style band. They're all all in their mid twenties though, and they all met at they all met in the office of their insurance firm. Uh-huh. Jackie, the front man Jackie, whose real name's David McPherson, slicks his hair slicks his hair back every day, and has a tattoo of the um, the Audi rings on his thigh. <laughs> Yes, you, you know nice the, you know the type, yeah. <laughs> and the Starlight Starlight Twins, Callum Johnson and Liam Davies, don't really look alike. But um, you know they both wear the same jacket on stage. So, and this is what this is a quote from them: "It just works, man." <laughs> their first, their first, surprisingly, after listening to all of those descriptions, they're signed to um, EMI Records. And oh, the yeah. first first album's gonna is called Pork Veal and Brisket, and I haven't heard any. I've not heard any description of it, but inevitably, it will be shit. <laughs> I think. I predict it to be shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, big shout out. What were they called again? Uh, Jackie Turner and the Starlight Twins. <laughs> yeah. Well, we wish them all luck, even though they're well, absolutely. I, I wish... I wish them all the best, but it's not looking good from my point of view. The do- the dog rotten, yeah, big stinkers. <laughs> uh, okay, so the the last album I got sent in, I got sent in this as a as a physical. That's quite oh, charming when people lucky, do that. Quite lucky that. So I got sent it on um, platinum vinyl. Uh, must wow. be quite expensive. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> The the album's called uh, Three Pints of Lager and a Packet of Drugs, please. Oh, right. and the, okay. The band are called uh, Railway Tavern. Um, oh. I, I'll have to say, right, 
this album has been on repeat since since it's re- it was released for me. Um, I've been following Huddersfield-based Railway Tavern for like ages. Um, they okay. kind of fall into like like a pub rock genre, and they've kind of like they've got the West Yorkshire scene on lockdown for like since the start. To be honest, um, oh yeah, they like to I mean, gigs. It is an untapped market, isn't it? West Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah, it's a bountiful market. <laughs> Uh, so mm, the, yum the yum West Yorkshire <laughs> <laughs> there's so much money to throw at gigs round here uh, so with that being said the, the gig's six days a week right it's quite a big yeah, schedule well. that. but but five of these gigs are kind of like function gigs and they use this to fund um, recording their album with, with producer Damon Albarn oh um, wow I think, the, I, think the, I think the studio is in the in the Stabbing district in London maybe Shoreditch what, all of London uh, yeah, sorry, all oh, of satire. I mean, hey, you can't laugh I'm about just it. reporting the news, guys. <laughs> I know, I'm not doing any worse than BBC. Uh, so, there's a few listeners lost, but fuck it. <laughs> oh, well. um, there shouldn't be so softballed eggs, man. Hey, man. Uh, hey. The, the remaining gig each week um, that isn't isn't a like a function gig they do it at the crown hotel in huddersfield town center oh um, lucky and the lucky gigs that. The, the, i know it's a fabulous venue the yeah. gigs are kind of often f- forged into like drinking competitions and the band bring along their own brewed uh wheat beer called shithole steiner oh yeah um and that was that's the first wheat beer in the town so i think they're just trying to plug that as well uh make a bit of well, money that, the side. enterprising respect that yeah yeah well, I had a quick I had a quick chat with the the band's leader on um, Omegle, and uh, <laughs> the the front man Kenny Crosswords. Um, he was telling me about the band's ideology, so I, I recorded a little bit because obviously there's a recording feature in Omegle. Okay, um, yeah. So I'll let you know what he says. Chuffy net, you know how it is. You get these young uns burning themselves out on the UK tour when only getting a couple of grand a night. When we play these function gigs in Halifax and Bradford and Leeds and the likes. We're getting the best part of 500k a night, and this means we can't we can afford fancy producers and know it alls like Damon Albarn. And I was like, that makes so much sense, you know what I mean? Because you don't get paid much for local gigs these days, because I don't know why. I don't know why, either. but so I thought that was a really nice way of doing it. And it had a stunning accent, I really like that uh, Yorkshire twang, it's really so, non grating. I think yeah, that, it's really that... easy. It's really easy to listen to. Yeah, that's send you to sleep. Uh, I need to probably with a so, punch. Um... But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the album features there uh, kind of like story-like songs about the different figures on the Huddersfield's drinking and drug-taking circuit, um, okay. and it's been inspired by Fat White Family, The Animals, and uh, Shirley Bassey. Shirley Bassett. Oh. She made um, Licorice All Sorts, didn't she? Yeah, and yeah. Shirley Bathwater. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and I think with with, uh, with that, we might conclude this podcast, if you like, Dan. Yeah, I, I think any... I've, said, I've said all I need to say. Is there any improv? You want improv? Um... So uh, you get five um, five glasses, you're carrying them to the... No, I don't want to. No, sorry. Oh, I, I want to do some improv. Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, actually from my son. Let me just put him on my knee. Oh, oh. 
Mr. Wonka, how do you keep the chocolate runny all the time? I don't... When I watched Charlie the Chocolate Factory the other day, there was a big chocolate river runny, runny, river, 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 and I wanted to know how you keep it so runny all the time. Me mum's in the workhouse, but she can't afford a chocolate, but... I think if we keep lacking up, we might be able to afford some chocolate. And I want to know for when we get the chocolate, how do we keep it running, Mr. Wonka? So, yeah, that was my s- stupid fuck of a son. He, t- he um, sounds he sounds horrible. Yeah, he sounds horrible. And he's putting down. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll conclude the podcast there. But thank you, everyone, so far for supporting us uh, yes, on our journey. Uh, really much appreciated. To, yeah, we've we've we're going to apply we've applied for a big comedy grant, so hopefully we can um we'll be on the I don't know radio what? time soon or something. Yeah, we might be in the Financial Times if we're lucky, or yeah, Top Gear magazine, in New York, just in the business district. Yeah, know, kind Stoke. of businessing. Yeah, maybe Stoke. That'd be good. Yeah. Stoke the financial capital of England. Yeah, Stoke the Stoke Library, the library capital of England. Stoke Library um, is a sex dungeon these days. It's a sex palace, in fact. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Software. We like to. You want to want to use my software? <laughs>